0: Good morning from the team here at 1:37 p.m. This is 7:31 a.m. Let's get the day going. Good morning, good morning. Happy Monday. The date is July 11th. Thank you for getting your day started at 7.31 a.m. podcast. This is Charlie Colebrenner. Got a lot of fun stories to dive into today and a fun anniversary that I just learned a lot about while I was doing the research um, that I want to start with, which is that on this day in 1969, David Bowie released the song Space Oddity, which would go on to be one of the most recognizable and well-known songs in all of rock and roll of all time, I would say. Um, But I didn't realize a lot of the factors that went into it coming out and some of the funny things about it. One, which I had not realized, is that David Bowie released his first self-titled album in 1967, and it was called David Bowie, um, and it didn't really hit. People didn't really listen to it. Um, and it was more dance-hall-y, less like, experimental psychedelic rock, like what he started making. And then in 1969, his second album, also called David Bowie, um, but a lot of people refer to this album as Space Oddity now, because uh, Space Oddity was the opening track of the second studio album, and he released it on this day in 1969. And then another reason why that is interesting is because... What else happened in July of 1969 is that six days later on July 16th is when the Apollo 11 mission launched. And so David Bowie didn't necessarily write the song with the Apollo 11 mission in mind. The song was apparently inspired partially by uh, Stanley Kubrick's movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, but then the studio, the label, they wanted to release the song to coincide with the Apollo 11 mission. So they kind of rushed the production and rush released it so that it would come out ahead of the mission, which was ultimately super successful. The song was featured in a lot of like coverage of the, of the Apollo 11 mission. Um, and it was at first, sometimes people wrote off the song as sort of a novelty song for that reason. And then it's interesting to see how perceptions have changed, because since then it has gone on to be one of the most well-respected songs in the canon of rock and roll. And to this day, it really is like this narrative sort of storytelling um, that became sort of a patented David Bowie style. But with that, we can hop into entertainment. We've got another box office roundup. Entertainment. The box office roundups when a Marvel movie comes out are fairly predictable, but I'm going to go into the numbers for you a little bit. So Thor Love and Thunder took first place this weekend with 143 million domestic debut and 159 million overseas, global total over 300 million in its debut. It's so great. Thor movies make so much money. It's getting more mixed reviews than I anticipated. Um, I've heard that so, it's, some of it is just like a little bit rushed for how uh, how grand the scope is. Um, but I've also heard that some of the representation and it is really incredible. And there's a lot of things that I am sure I'm going to enjoy about it. So I'm going to see it this week. Um, this is the third biggest opening weekend of the year behind Jurassic World Dominion and Dr. Strange the Multiverse of Madness so people haven't been as excited about this one as they were for Thor Ragnarok Taika Waititi's previous joint which in my opinion Thor Ragnarok is a top five or maybe top six or seven Marvel movie of all time um, I just think it's like has one of the most distinct visual styles it's one of the most recognizable ones that was the most distinct from the previous movies and then in the rest of the lineup Minions the Rise of Gru had 45 million dollars uh, and then Top Gun Maverick still clinging into the rankings with third in its third month of being out which is so crazy um, Baz Lerman's Elvis was fourth and then Jurassic World minion in fifth it's crazy that rise of Gru is second that <laughs> just like it. nobody really seems to like the movie people just like the bit um but i mean good for the studio that they have managed to capitalize on just this bit to make so much money and with that we'll hop over into gaming, gaming. this is just a fun sort of feel-good story um a pro apex player yesterday refrained from shooting a disconnected opponent In a in an event that there was $2 million Up on the line um, So during the Apex Legends Global Series 2022 Championship with $2 million on the line Which took place this weekend uh, The pro gamer Philip Imperial Hal Dosen, he You can watch the clip He watched the player for a couple moments And then told his teammates on TSM Don't shoot him, don't shoot him, he's crashed um, and then he people were on Twitter talking about how nice this was of him to, and like how sportsman like this was of him um, and on Twitter he responded it's the least every player can do out here with these issues just because con- connectivity stuff is such a bummer like even for somebody who plays like me casually it can be such a bummer and so when you're playing at like a level where there's money on the line I feel like being respectful about it is so so kind um, both teams both the one that the person who lagged out was on and uh, the TSM player Imperial Hal both made it through the heat. At the time of recording, the final has not happened yet. Um, but I'm going to tune in today and see who won. I feel like gaming, as it's gotten more popular, can be like kind of a cutthroat competitive field, as happens with a lot of sports. And so it's nice to see this moment where he was just uh, was very respectful. Hopping over into sports, two stories. Sports. First up, Novak Djokovic won Wimbledon this weekend. After falling to Nick Kyrgios in the first set, Djokovic went on to reel off three sets in a row. Uh, it's fun to watch some of the clips from there, like Tom Cruise, Rod Laver, the tennis legend, and others uh, were all in attendance. Nick Kyrgios was incredible throughout the tournament. There's no doubt that he is talented, but it's an unclear, based on this performance, if he can keep set on straight for an entire tourney. That's something that we'll have to see in the future this marks. Djokovic's seventh win at Wimbledon and it is his fourth in a row. He won in 2018, 2019, then 2020 was canceled and then he won in 2021 and now in this year. Um, It's also the anniversary to the day. uh, Today is the anniversary to the day that he won last year. He said I've lost the words for what this tournament means to me and my family. Um, It was a nice moment for tennis fans. Oh and also on Rod Laver being in the audience. Rod Laver incredible tennis player but something that I think is so fun about him is Stan Smith's the sneakers became super popular over the past 10 years. Um, Rod Lavers are also a sneaker from his era that did not ever pick up the same level of hype as Stan Smith's but I really like Rod Labors. I think they're a really incredible pair of shoes if you're looking for like a low profile white shoe and something that is super funny about them is that a community in which they are like the number one shoe like this is what you wear if you want to play this is hacky sacking if you look up what is the best hacky sack shoe? Because there is like you do need a specific kind of shoe because depending on the the way that the like top of the shoe is, I've hacky sacked a little bit in my day. Um, you kind of need a shoe that's good for it. Um, and then one final sports story: WNBA All Star Weekend was this past weekend, and Allie Quigley uh, beat the all time three point champion record, um, meaning that she has the most uh, three point championships of anybody in both the WNBA and the NBA now. Um, so Allie Quigley of the Chicago Sky won the N- WNBA three-point contest this weekend. It's her fourth title at the event, and they've only had three-point competition nine times. They've been doing WNBA All-Star for about 20 years, but the uh, the three-point competition has only been in nine times, and now Allie Quigley has won four of the nine, which is crazy. For reference, Larry Bird, who's won it the most in the NBA, won it three times. And part of how she pulled it off, it took place in her hometown, Chicago, where she plays for the Chicago Sky, so she was definitely jazzed to make sure that she could take it home. Um, she's been instrumental in the Sky's success this year. They are still the best team in the WNBA uh, with a record of 16 and 6. They're also defending their championship last year at the Sky. I've been, I'm really trying to go to a WNBA game this year, um, and I really want to see the Liberty play the Sky. So I'm excited to hopefully get to see them. Um, if you want to hear more about the story, we've got a so- uh, story on site. Justin Cohen, one of our great writers, was actually on site um, at WNBA All-Star this weekend. And so he did a great little write up on what it means for the team, what it means for Quigley and just the WNBA uh, All-Star game in general and that'll do it for today's episode for more detail on these stories and more head over to 137pm.com or follow us on our social media platforms you know we'll be back tomorrow Uh, hop in the discords you can chat with us and the hosts as always remember stay curious